Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Anybody else feel his presence here this morning? Thank you, Lord. Two verses of scripture that I would like to read this morning in Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 24 and 25. It says these words, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Would you extend your hand this direction and pray God's blessing and anointing over his servant and over his word today. Father, we come before you today. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you for being with us today. Lord, for the sweet, sweet spirit that we feel in this place. These next few moments, Lord, would you just communicate the word of God in all of its simplicity and yet in all of its power. May lives be touched and hearts be changed as a result of hearing the word of the Lord. To God be the glory. In Jesus' precious name. And the church said... Amen. It is Thanksgiving weekend. And let's be honest, it has been the most challenging year in many of our lives. But in spite of everything that we have encountered over the last several months of 2020, we are grateful for the blessings of the Lord upon our families. And there is so much, so, so much that we could spend some time giving thanks for to the Lord. But today I need to tell you that the blood has something to say. I've always been fascinated for many years, even though I'm not in the medical profession, I've always been fascinated by the blood, that element that is so imperative. If I were to pass around the room the, this morning, the microphone, we have some medical professionals that are part of our congregation. They could give us all kinds of important facts about the blood and all the purposes that the blood serves. We do know this for a fact. If you don't know anything else, you do know that blood is our life-giving essence. If there's no blood, there is no life. It flows throughout our body. It sustains us in our daily functions. The scripture tells us long before a doctor would tell us or the medical profession would tell us, the scripture tells us in Leviticus 17 and 11 that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Did you know that in a quick 23-second time span, blood has flowed to every cell 
in the human body. And when that blood flows, it provides nourishment and oxygen. And it carries off waste that your body does not need. We know that there must be a balance between red blood cells and white blood cells for the body to be able to maintain a normal, sustained, healthy life. I've learned that there are different types of blood. I am an A negative, and many of you are totally different in your blood type than my own. Some blood types are very common. Some blood types are very rare. If my memory serves me correctly, my dad has a rare type that can help most other people, but is limited in what kind of type of blood he can personally receive. We often hear the term, this is uh, one of the checkups for an individual when they go for their physical or even more frequently on a daily basis, a term called blood pressure, which is defined simply as pressure that is exerted by the blood upon the walls of the blood vessels and can carry with it the muscular efficiency of the heart and blood, volume, age, and health of a person. Did you know if you are a person that gives blood and donates blood, you know this already, but your blood reproduces over a 60-day period. There's some fascinating facts when it comes to the blood and how intricate it is and how wonderful a design the blood is. <clears throat> the bottom line is, is that blood is essential to our lives. And it's very complex. But today I want to tell you the blood has something to say. You see, all throughout the Bible... The truth about blood is that it's mentioned 700 times, around 700 times. In the 66 books of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, you find the word blood many times. But there are only two places where blood has something to say. I've always been intrigued by that, and the Lord led me to that this week on this Thanksgiving weekend. Who has ever heard of blood talking the first time you see blood talking is in the book of Genesis. It's when Abel's blood spoke. Give you a little backstory here if you're not familiar with it. There had to be some kind of a sacrificial system already in place even before the law was given. In the early part of mankind's existence following creation. In fact, most Bible scholars believe that the animal skins that God made for Adam and Eve to cover their nakedness was from animals used in sacrifice to atone for their sin in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had two boys, and they named them Cain and Abel. And the Bible says that Cain was, a, he was more of a farmer, a tiller of the ground. And while Cain was a tiller of the ground, Abel, his younger brother, was a keeper of sheep. Some could even say he was a a shepherd. And the scripture says that there came a day of sacrifice. And when, when they were supposed to offer sacrifice unto the Lord. And the Bible says that Cain brought, quote, of the fruit of the ground. And shortly thereafter, Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock. And the word states that God had respect to Abel and his offering. But God did not have any respect to Cain and his offering. It's been a question of debate amongst Bible scholars for many, many years. What was the difference between their sacrifices? And why was 
Cain's offering unto God unacceptable, and yet Abel's offering unto God was acceptable. Many have thought it was because Abel brought of the first of his flock, while Cain just brought of the fruit of the ground. And I thought that for the longest time. I thought, well, Cain just probably reached over and grabbed a a handful of of some fruit and brought it unto the Lord, and it wasn't the very best of his fruit. It was just part of the group. But while while Abel, on the other hand, he sacrificed some of the firstlings, some of his his firstborn, some of the best of of his flock. But then I came to a revelation one day, and I think God gave me this revelation that the truth is Cain and Abel both knew either through instruction passed down from their parents or revelation learning how God shed blood of an animal to cover their parents' nakedness with animal skins. I believe Cain and Abel knew somehow that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That blood had to be shed for sin to be atoned for. And therefore, Abel shed blood of his flock And Cain shed no blood whatsoever. And Abel sacrificed unto the Lord. But Cain tried through the toil of his hands to bring offerings unto the Lord without going through the blood sacrifice. And and can I just stop here for a moment and and say say I believe that many are doing that today. There, There could be someone sitting in this sanctuary this morning or watching on live stream this morning and you have this idea that you can work your way into heaven. There are some that believe that their morals are going to be good enough and God would never send them to hell. But I've come by to tell you it hasn't changed since Abel's day. Trying to work your way into heaven won't do it. Trying to get into heaven with your good morals are simply not enough and it will leave you coming up short. I'm here to submit and suggest and say from the word of God there has always been and must be the shedding of blood to wash your sins away. As the story unfolds, Cain, because he knew that his offering was unacceptable to God, and he was jealous of his brother because his offering was pleasing unto the Lord. One day out in a field in a fit of rage, Cain killed his brother Abel, and I believe he probably buried his body as well. And the Lord came to Cain one day, and he said, Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And Cain responded and said, am I my brother's keeper? And I want you to listen very carefully to what God said to Cain in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 10. This was his response to Cain. He said, the voice of your brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. In other words, you can bury the body, but the blood has something to say. You can try to conceal your acts here and your actions, but the blood has something to say because Abel's blood talked to God. I've asked myself many times, what was it that Abel's blood, even though his life was ended on this earth, what was it that his blood had to say to God? And I've come by to tell you this morning, I believe I have the answer. I believe that the blood of Abel would cry out to the Creator, 
would cry out to the heavenly father and say, Father, avenge me for the crime that has been committed against me. And the Bible says that in response to the cry of Abel's blood, God marked Cain's forehead. And from that moment, from that moment that God marked his forehead, Cain would be a fugitive. He would always be a person who's on the run. He was always trying to hide and not get caught. Not only would he be a fugitive, but he would be a vagabond, which means he was a person who wanders from place to place. He could never get settled. He was always on the move, always on the run. In fact, the Bible says he would dwell in the land of a place called Nod. And Nod in the Hebrew means wandering or restlessness, always wandering, always hiding for fear of his life because of the choices of his past. I, I thought this week, and I tried to envision, Cain, maybe with his young son sitting on his lap, and his young son looks up and sees a mark, an ugly mark on his forehead, and wants to know what that mark has been placed there for. I imagine Cain's wife would always be reminded that she is married to a man that has been accursed. Cain's life would be filled with fear and with condemnation, and it would all happen because Abel's blood had something to say. Let me tell you, in Genesis chapter 4, that was the first time that blood spoke unto God, that blood spoke unto the Creator. But thanks be unto God, it would not be the last time that blood would have something to say. You see, you fast forward some 4,000 years, and you'll find out about a man by the name of Jesus. And Jesus' blood also had something to say. This man came from heaven to earth. He walked among men, teaching and discipling and preaching the gospel and healing the sick and raising the dead. But as you know, if you studied his life, you understand that as his fame grew, so grew the hatred for him. And one day, by the divine providence of God and by the wicked hands of men, this one named Jesus was beaten senseless. He was pummeled with fists. His beard was ripped from his face. Spikes were driven into his hands and into his feet. A crown with three-inch thorns was driven into his skull, and a spear was thrust into to his side. Can I tell you that on that Good Friday 2,000 years ago, blood went everywhere. It went from the top of his cross where, where his head bled freely to the bottom of the cross where his feet poured out the red flow to the sides where his hands were pierced to the back where his back was shredded. And on that cold and windy Golgotha day when the Roman mocked and the heathen raged and family cried out and friends wept in despair. On that day where one thief to one side begged for mercy and the other thief to the other side cursed and swore. I'm going to tell you that on that day, on that Good Friday 2,000 years ago, blood from a man's body that hadn't spoken for 4,000 years had something to say. 
saved. Blood that hadn't talked since Abel's blood talk spoke up again. Blood that for 4,000 years through lambs and goats and turtle doves had been spilled on Jewish altars to atone for sin finally shouted aloud. And you know what? The blood had better things to say than that of the blood of Abel. And it, this blood spoke loud and clear. I'm about to get happy here. I'm telling you, and no one around the cross that day heard the blood talking. But I'm telling you, throughout heaven, the blood, the voice of the blood could be heard. Can I tell you, no one around the cross could hear the blood crying out. But there's no doubt in my mind that in the caverns of hell, the voice of the blood could be heard. You say this morning, preacher, what did the blood of the second man have to say? I'm telling you, I know what it had to say. When the blood of Jesus spoke out from the cross that day, it spoke some one-word phrases. One-word phrases that turned your life and my life upside down. I believe the blood spoke out and shouted peace. I believe it talked about pardon. I believe it shouted aloud forgiveness. I believe it declared mercy. I believe it proclaimed acceptance. I'm telling you, the people that dark Friday afternoon in their carnality and their hatred, they said his blood be upon us and upon our children. They didn't realize that they were prophesying for one day in 1974 as an eight-year-old boy at the Glen Rock Church of God in Norfolk, Virginia. I asked the blood of Jesus to speak to me. I asked the blood of Jesus to cover me, to save me, to cleanse me, to set me free. And I am saved today, this Thanksgiving weekend, because the blood of Jesus has better things to say than the blood of Abel. I wish somebody would give the Lord praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Our songs are getting away from it. I love the new songs. I love the old songs. You know that. But the new songs don't talk near as much about the blood as the old songs do. And if we're not careful, we will raise a generation that's over in that children's wing that don't know what the blood is all about. My God, I feel the preacher coming on now. I'm telling you, I'm in a bloody religion. I don't apologize for it. I'm not interested in being seeker-sensitive, seeker-driven. I'm here to preach the whole Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. I'm telling you, we're still supposed to promote, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And the reason why He is the Lamb of God is because His blood was shed for you and I. Mm. The blood of Jesus has something to say. And the blood of Jesus has something to say that's better than what the blood of Abel has to say. You see, Abel's blood... When it cried out, 
it brought God's sword out as it cried for revenge. But Jesus' blood put God's sword away. Hallelujah. Abel's blood cried out for revenge on one man named Cain. But Jesus' blood cried out for mercy on all mankind and all the multitude of mankind's sins. Abel's blood would speak to man's conscience. And that's why Cain would always be on the run, always reminded of his offense. But Jesus' blood shouts out, you no longer have to run. You are covered. You are covered. You are cleansed. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the shed blood of Jesus covers my sin-sick soul. I wish somebody would give the Lord praise right there. I've overcome. How have you overcome? How do you live in victory in this crazy season? Because of the blood of the Lamb. The flow of blood is still precious. There's still power in the blood. It still reaches to the highest mountains, to the most pride-filled. It still reaches to the lowest valleys, to the most self-loathing. It gives me strength day after, after day after day. You don't have to run. You don't have to hide. Because the blood of Jesus has something to say to you. One more thing. Abel's blood cried out for a mark of vengeance that would be put on Cain's forehead. Jesus' blood cries out for a mark on our foreheads. I'm a marked up dude. How do you know? Well, Isaiah says, Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return, and they'll come to Zion with singing, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. Oh yeah, it says that. The book of Revelation says, those that have been washed in His blood... His name has been placed upon their forehead. You can't see it? I don't see anything. There's things you can't see in the natural 
that have always already been imprinted in the supernatural. I thought about that this week. I thought, Jesus and joy, joy and Jesus on my big, and I've got a big forehead. I got a honking big forehead. And I don't know, Brother Rick, if it's joy to the left and Jesus to the right. I don't know if it's joy on top and Jesus on the bottom. If you went in natural sequential order and they were one on top of the other, to me it seems right that it would be Jesus on top and then joy on the bottom. Why is that? Because you can't have joy until you first have Jesus. And I got both. <laughs> Everlasting joy. can't apologize for the blood for the blood has something to say come on you out there this morning I'm really not interested in being the latest and greatest all the bells and whistles all the lights all the comfortable seats if we take the blood out of the church we might as well shut up shop and go home I'm telling you you say, well, I come to be inspired today and to feel good about my life. There ain't no greater inspiration I can give to you than to tell you about the blood of Jesus. Peter said we're redeemed with the blood. Purchased off the auction block of sin. John wrote that we're cleansed with the blood. Acts writes that we're purchased with the blood. Romans says that we're justified with his blood. Hebrews says that we're purged with his blood. I don't, I don't, know. I don't know how it happens. I, I, I don't know how it works in the spiritual labs of heaven that God can take a blackened sinner wash them with red blood and make them as white as snow but i'm one of them i'll tell you where the spiritual lab in heaven was it was at the foot of the cross when i fell down and i said lord i'm a sinner and i need a savior and one rich red drop of his blood fell upon me can i tell you today the blood is still flowing Revelation 7 and 14 tells me one day I'm going to wear a perfectly white robe. Perfectly white robe. That has been washed and made white by the red blood of the Lamb. great great pastor by the name of A.J. Gordon one day he was he met a young boy in front of his church and he was carrying a, a rusty cage 
the cage had several birds inside of it, and they were, they were fluttering nervously. Pastor Gordon asked the young man, son, where'd you get those birds? And the boy replied, I trapped them in the field. He said, what are you going to do with them? The lad said, I'm going to play with them, and then I'm going to go feed them to the old cat we have at home. Gordon, the pastor, offered to buy the birds from the boy. But he said, Mr., you don't want them. They're just wild birds, and they can't sing very well. That'd knock a lot of us out, wouldn't it? The pastor said, I'll give you $2 for the cage and the birds. All right, agreed the lad. It's a deal, but you're making a bad bargain. The boy took his $2 and went away whistling and happy. Pastor Gordon carried the cage to the back of the church property. And he opened the door of the small wire coop. As one by one, the word birds began to soar to the sky. The next Sunday, the pastor took the empty cage to the pulpit. And he used it as an illustration of Jesus coming to set people free. Paying for them with his own precious blood. <laughs> he said, those, that boy told me those birds couldn't sing. He said, but I declare when I released them and they winged their flight heavenward, I th thought I heard them singing, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. That's who we are today. Did you know in the book of Psalms and in the book of Job, there's two different phrases that always just really bring perspective. I am a worm and no man. That, that, that is just very humbling. I am a worm and no man. A proper perspective is to walk out on a night like not last night when the moon was full and the stars were against a black, like, like diamonds against a black velvet backdrop. And you simply walk out there and say, God, why would you want to have a relationship with someone like me. You know what the answer is? Because God is love. You didn't have to think about it. It's who he is. He loved you so much that he sent his very, very willing son to die on a cross, to shed his blood. I remember where I was as that eight-year-old boy, and I remember where I was many times that I strayed from the Lord and came back. The blood was still flowing. All he was saying was, return to me. And I will cover you and cleanse you and wash you and purge you and make you whole yet again. Because the, the message of my blood has not changed.
not only should we talk about the blood, but we should reverence the blood. I tremble at this time. Tony, come to the key. I, I tremble at this time. Because I never, never want to disrespect the sacred, broken body and shed blood of Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Are you here this morning and you've never you've never allowed the blood of Jesus to speak peace and pardon and acceptance over your life over your soul or you're here today and you, you, there was a time that you knew that you knew, that you knew, that you knew that you were ready to go. I'm telling you, friend, your morals will not get you in. Your good works will fail you in the end. You have got to be covered, cleansed, and washed by the blood of Jesus. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But if you're here this morning and you say, you say, preacher, my heart is not right with God. I want the blood of Jesus to speak peace into my heart. I want you to get up from where you are right now and come. Come. Come down here. Meet me here. Meet me here. You've wandered and strayed from the Lord. You know and God knows things are not right between your soul and your Savior. But today, the blood speaks. It says, I grant you pardon if you'll but receive it. I grant you cleansing. I grant you washing. Lord, break in on our pride right now. Break in upon the secret chambers of our soul right now. Are you here? I wouldn't let the worry and concern of people's impressions of you right now, I would not let that keep me from my eternity with Jesus. I wouldn't do it. If this place had a thousand people in it and my heart wasn't right, I would move and come to this altar. Spirit everywhere. I believe there's a winnowing going on. I believe there's a purging that's taking place. Oh Lord. The scripture talks about two being in the field, one being taken and the other left. Two lying in the bed and one is taken and the other 
is left. I'm not the only one that senses this urgency of the hour. You're here and you're, you're ate up with the political landscape and the Lord is wanting me to tell you you better get right with your soul. We're going to enter into communion, but I want you to listen to the Word of God, and you, you need to listen to it carefully. And this is New Testament. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is... Skip down to verse 27 of chapter 11. It says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So I'm going to tell you right now how sacred this time is. It's a time for soul searching for every believer, every child of God. And if you're here today and you have unconfessed sin in your heart and you absolutely refuse to let it go today, you refuse to lay it down, you refuse to be cleansed from it, you refuse to humble yourself, I plead with you, do not take communion. Do not be irreverent to the body and the blood of the Lord. This is why we don't take communion often. Some churches take it weekly. Some churches take it monthly. Some churches take it quarterly. I have to do it as I'm led of the Lord, and it's, it's just the way your pastor's wired. What I am very concerned is that we become so familiar with this sacred time that it becomes contemptible to us. It becomes casual to us and apathetic to us. I'm going to ask them to sing. And I want, you to, I want you to sing quietly, Tony. And I want, you to, I want you to take this time to examine your own heart right where you're seated. Jesus. I reverence you, Lord. It's you and the Lord right now. If there's unconfessed sin, just confess it to Him. Reach it to 
Godly sorrow is what brings repentance. Repentance is what brings the grace and the mercy of God, the covering of the blood of Jesus. Lord, forgive us today. Forgive us as individuals. Forgive us as fathers and mothers. Forgive us as sons and daughters. Forgive us of our choices, our thoughts. Forgive us of our attitudes. Forgive us of our words. We reverence you today. Sing it again. We reverence you today. out if you'll just peel back the, the top of the cup. And as quietly as you can, please, no one moving around, would you just, in and out of the room, would you just stand to your feet very quietly, very reverently? As they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. You may now partake of the bread. Thank you, Lord, for your broken body. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink it henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. You may now partake of the cup. Hallelujah. Just sing a verse, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody worship the Lord in this place. Somebody worship the Lord in this place. Lift your hands and worship Him for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Lord, I bless you today. Thank you for the blood. As their hands are raised, Lord, would you just 
appropriate that blood and bring healing to their body as they stand in your presence. Heal that stomach disorder. Heal that back pain. Heal those migraines. Heal that cancer. Heal that leg, that arm that's been giving them a problem, Lord. Heal that arthritis. 